Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash brain. Make sure to use the promo code BRAIN at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I read your questions and help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything my co-host and I talk about on the show is our personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And like I said, I have a co-host today. He is Matthew Bivens. If you've been listening to the show a while, you've heard him on the show before. He has uh, two podcasts out there, Having It All with Matthew Bivens and Doing It at Home, which he does with his wife. Uh, That sounds a little strange, but (laughs) it's a home birthing show. And um, if you're interested in that, check that out as well. But I have him on the show uh, every now and then, and we throw it midweek and sometimes on the weekend just because we have great conversations and we want to involve you in them. And you'd be surprised how many conversations we have off the air. Well, maybe you wouldn't be, but it's not a big deal. And it's funny because we started recording our conversations that we were having off the air to put them on the air because I think what we talk about is important. I think it's valuable. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that are in situations that we've been through or that we can help people through that uh, it would be better just to meet up and record ourselves. And that's what we started doing. Uh, Matthew and I started uh, meeting up at a coffee shop in uh, Marietta, Georgia, and he brought his microphones and recorder one day, and we just had a conversation. And so Matthew has had me on his show a long time ago, and um, we had stayed in touch, and we connect every now and then, but we really wanted to maybe start something uh, different like this which is the conversational side of the overwhelmed brain. And I think he wants to throw these conversations on his having it all feed as well. So if you're interested in his comments and his takes, you know, check out his show and and you'll see it in your favorite podcast player. But anyway, we met for lunch every now and then. We're both very busy, so it's hard to get together sometimes. But we've dedicated to meeting every other week and recording something doesn't always work out, but 90% of the time we record something and uh, put it on the air so that we can share something that might be helpful to you. And uh, this week is no different, I think. You know, this is my opinion, of course. (laughs) You might have a different one. But um, this week we talked about being fully vulnerable while expressing yourself. I mean, I get emails like this a lot. I, I can't express myself because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid to express my emotions. Because if I do, then, you know, fill in the blank. I'll have a panic attack. Um, Someone will judge me. Uh, Someone will think badly of me. I mean, a lot of people don't even come up with those things. A lot of people just say, I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid to express myself. I'm too afraid to show my emotions. I'm too afraid to connect with someone and allow them into my emotional space. And I, I think that is missing a lot of the human experience. I mean, I know it is. When, when you block someone from connecting with you emotionally, even during the hard stuff, even when you're sharing things that you feel any shame or guilt or embarrassment by, even when you choose not to share those things because you're too afraid of whatever you're afraid of, judgment's a big one, um, losing friends, losing family, you know, feeling rejected, feeling abandoned. There's all kinds of emotions and fears that come up causing you not to want to share some of your inner stuff, some of the stuff that you've either repressed for one reason or another 
or uh, just chose not to talk about and you hold on to. I mean, I hate that feeling, don't you? It's like you get angry at someone and you don't want to express that anger, so you stuff it back down. What do you do with it? It stays in there and you carry it with you and it comes out in many destructive ways. I mean, ways that you may, you may not even realize. Y- your behavior changes. You become maybe passive-aggressive or, or snappy or you get emotionally triggered easily. It's because you haven't gotten these emotions out. They're still down there. They, they don't go anywhere. You carry them around. And this negativity that you're carrying around isn't helpful. It's not healthy for the body. It's not healthy th- for the mind. It transforms into something not productive in relationships and communication with your friends and family and even strangers. Whatever you're carrying around that you haven't resolved or healed from comes out in other sometimes nasty ways. So this is what this show is about, getting these negative emotions out and healing from some of this stuff. And a lot of it can be very traumatic. I mean, people have suffered abuse, neglect, and other forms of suffering when they were younger. So it's certainly not always an easy thing to do. But this is why Matthew and I do our show, is that we have come to a place where when it's hard to talk about it, We choose to talk about it. I mean, sometimes we talk about things on the air that are coming out for the first time. It's not often. I mean, we've done some processing. But um, because we're having a normal conversation and we're we're trying not to filter ourselves, uh, some stuff will come up. Sometimes a revelation will come up. And expect that more often. Expect us to reveal things that we wouldn't normally reveal if we were just talking by ourselves. I know that sounds a little enigmatic. <laughs> I don't mean to be mysterious there. But let me just put it this way. I've noticed that while in regular conversation, as opposed to the monologue I normally do, like right now, I'm in monologue mode. I'm not talking to a co-host. I'm talking to you. But you're not here to interact with me. So I just have to imagine you sitting there and I'm talking to you. Uh, however, there's nothing coming back at me. So Nothing is engaging my mind in a way that takes it in a different direction. Because right now I have a somewhat focused direction so that I can stay on track and get into our conversation. So that keeps me on target. However, when you're in a conversation, you know what can happen. It can change on a dime. You can go in another direction. Then suddenly someone says something that brings something up, (laughs) brings some negativity up, or even a positive thought or feeling just something comes up and now you're in your stuff and what do you do with it and I've had that happen a few times while I've been in monologue mode Uh, but it's more likely to happen when you're talking to someone because your subconscious mind isn't forging the path it is adapting to the path that's being laid before it if that makes sense in other words if someone's bringing up a subject and they're asking you questions, these aren't questions you're normally prepared for, uh, so it gives you an opportunity to be a little bit more vulnerable and address things that you wouldn't normally visit when you're by yourself, like when you're writing an email, you're very by yourself, so you can stay on task and stay focused and write exactly what you want to write. But if you're with someone, suddenly you have all these variables that come up and they can ask a question like, well, you said that uh, your mom did this once. Have you talked to her since? And that might bring up some stuff. You know, it, it questions like that. Whereas you wouldn't normally bring that up yourself. I think you know what I mean. It's just the idea that it's helpful when you're diving into your own stuff to have someone there to ask questions, to lead you in directions that you wouldn't normally go. It's like when I was in therapy once. It was after my first breakup And the woman started asking me about my mom and how things were and my family growing up. And, you know, there's some tough challenges there, but I thought I was over most of it. But uh, for some reason, I started crying when I talked about my sister, who in that instant, I felt like had raised me like a mom. Like my sister raised me like I was her son because she acted like a mom to me. And sometimes in ways more than my mom did or could because my mom was too busy trying to keep 
the alcoholic from us. So my oldest sister came into the picture and I started crying about it in therapy. And I'm like, where did this come from? I would never have visited that in my mind by myself. It never would have come up. (laughs) I believe it wouldn't have. I mean, maybe it could have, but it was great to have someone to ask those questions and take me places that I might not have gone on my own. So that's why it's helpful to even have just a friend ask questions and guide you into spaces that you wouldn't normally have gone just so you can visit places in your mind that you wouldn't normally visit. Not because you're intentionally trying to avoid those places, but because maybe you just never think about it. You just never think about going in that direction, so you don't. And this is what I like about conversations like this. So let's get to the conversation we're having today, which is about being vulnerable while expressing yourself, which is what it's all about. I mean, if you can truly allow your vulnerability to come up and bring the emotions that you're afraid of showing anyone else to the surface, then you allow yourself to release and maybe even heal some things that have been inside you for a long time. And yes, that could involve breaking down and crying. That could involve your friend or family or someone you trust seeing you in a way that they've never seen you before. Again, it's very, that's very vulnerable. But if you can allow yourself to do it, the more you do this, the less vulnerable you feel, the more powerful you feel. You start becoming empowered because all this negativity is, it starts to be released from your system. And as those pieces and parts get released, you have less obstacles to what I call happiness. Your happiness is found when you start removing these obstacles that are in the way of your happiness. What are those obstacles? Anything that you've been afraid to share, all your shame, your guilt, your embarrassments, your fear, your worries, your concerns, anything in your life that you have repressed and not been able to talk about with anyone, you start letting that stuff up, even the hardest conversations, you can really start improving your life. It's not always easy, but that's why we're talking about it today. I hope you get something valuable from this episode. Talk to you when we're done. before we get to the conversation that Matthew and I had, I want to tell you about our weekend. My girlfriend and I spent the weekend in uh, Tennessee in a tent. <laughs> and, uh, if you've ever spent any time in a tent, uh, you know that it's not really fun laying on the ground, which is why you have, you know, those pads that you put down or even what we had, an inflatable mattress. And uh, having an inflatable mattress is a nice convenience Uh, But it's certainly not like home. And I tell you what, when we got home, to have a Casper mattress, instead of something that uh, bounces your partner around, (laughs) like when you move or have to get up and go to the bathroom or something, it's like night and day, of course. And, uh, you know, there's really no comparison. And I'm not trying to make that comparison. But the idea that you can spend a few days on one mattress and come back to another completely different mattress not only different, but ultimately superior in many ways to what you were just on, it changes your entire attitude when you get home. I mean, it's nice to come home from camping, but to come home and clean up, then get into bed, it's like a it's like a ritual. It feels so good to have a mattress that is comfortable as part of that ritual. And I'm talking about the Casper mattress. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. And we spend one third of our life sleeping, so I want to be comfortable. And we have the original. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams. And it's true, I saw the video on their website, they show you how it's made, which creates a quality sleep surface with just the right amounts of sink and bounce. I mean, from the night we unboxed it, the very first time, it comes in this like small four foot box, at least our king size did, It is comfortable. I mean, it just comes out of the box comfortable. You have to let it open up and spread out and such. But once it's out, 
you can use it and there you are you're on your bed and they deliver it for free in fact um you can be sure of your purchase with casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial so not only do they deliver it for free but if after 100 nights you're not satisfied they'll pick it up for free as well the free shipping and returns apply to the u.s and canada but no matter where you are i know you're going to love this mattress with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. They also have a, a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets just to ensure that you receive an overall better sleep experience. So Casper has a special offer for the Overwhelmed Brain listeners, and that's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash brain and then use the promo code brain at checkout to get the deal if you're sleeping on what feels like a, a camping mattress <laughs> or you just want a mattress that delivers a great night's sleep get a casper casper.com forward slash brain use the promo code brain at checkout for 50 dollars towards select mattresses terms and conditions apply I sent a newsletter out yesterday and um, I talked about how I was at the dirt track with my girlfriend all weekend and I saw some photos you did oh yeah you saw it on Facebook probably yeah yeah they're cool and there's a video that she posted as well of them doing like practice runs I know they jump like 150 feet it's crazy, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know while I was there I, I saw a uh, a couple with their kid and their dog and the man was whacking his dog like smacking them and it, when i saw that i was like you know what's this about why is he smacking him? did he poop on the picnic table or something and uh but i noticed every time the dog got excitable the man didn't know how to control him so he just whacked him i felt wow. really i felt really bad and i was like what am i gonna do about this am i gonna walk over there and say hey you know there's other ways to do this and so i wrote in my newsletter how you know in my 20s i was not happy with myself for hurting my animals just the same way because i would like i said i smacked my cat when my cat would pee on the floor or get into a fight with my other cat and i thought that was the way you trained and disciplined animals because that's how i was taught yeah not only by my parents and other people but also for me when when the belt came out that was how i learned so i told the story of that and i, I was like you know i never shared this publicly and i did this in my newsletter and I got already two responses saying, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I can relate to this. Now I don't feel so alone. And I was like, that made, cool. that made me tear up a little bit because that's exactly what I want people to feel. Like a lot of people go out there with their problems in life, their challenges, and they believe that they have this challenge that they can't share with anyone. And if they share, they'll be judged and you know, people will feel badly or put them down or something like that. And uh, that just made me, it made me feel good knowing that somebody felt like, um, thank you so much for sharing that. That made me feel like I'm not alone. I've learned my lesson and it's just good to have somebody to relate to. I think that's what happens with people. Absolutely. And I, I think that's, it's huge for so many of the conversations that we have. And then, you know, the one I was just telling you about for my other show that like people aren't alone in how they feel because I know for me, I always felt alone and that feeling of being alone just reinforced me not sharing. Mm. And it just was this like downward spiral of feeling like I was the only person who felt this way. So therefore I wouldn't share and I wouldn't share because I felt like I was the only person. And um, I agree. It's cool when when you put something out there and you're just honest and vulnerable. How many people say, wow, me too. And they're like, man, I felt that way as well. I, I thought I was the only one. And uh, you just recognize that, you know, we we don't go through all these things alone. We don't have to. Yeah, and I think we don't have to. I think that's a perfect segue into our first topic, uh, which has to do with someone that we addressed. Uh, it was a someone's email named uh, we call him Bill, and um, I forget what the initial email was about, but he had, he talks about it in his reply to us, and I was, I'm just going to read this reply because. Uh, we were just talking about openness and sharing and being vulnerable. And um, one of the things I like to do real quick is I like to put myself out 
into the world for judgment. Like I purposefully know that what I'm talking about, my experiences, how I handle them will be judged. So and the reason I do that is because I want to deal with my issues today. I want to be judged. I want people out. I want to give the people an opportunity to judge me because I've learned that we all tend to judge at some level. And then when you put yourself out there for judgment, it's almost like we have a different perspective of the person that's being vulnerable. If the person's not being vulnerable and they're acting confident or cocky or whatever, we have a tendency, more of a tendency to judge. So we'll look at someone doing something and go, oh, that person's this and that person's that. But if somebody comes out there and says, I am this and I am that, you have a tendency not to judge that person because they're already judging themselves. There's some psychology behind it. I haven't really studied, but I, I have noticed that since the beginning of this show or my show, at least after the first few months when I started being very, very vulnerable, that I had more support and no judgment. It was weird. It's like when I wasn't being vulnerable, when I wasn't being expressive, when I wasn't being completely honest, I left it to the world to interpret what was going on with me. Yeah. The world's interpretation of me can be anything can be all negative, can be anything. So instead I just go, Hey, this is what I did. And, and I'm not proud of it. In fact, I feel shame. In fact, I feel guilty. I feel embarrassed. And then the world responds positively because everyone has that experience. Everyone has had that humbling, guilty, humiliating. They feel shame. They feel embarrassed. They feel all these things because we all do. And so when someone shows up in this vulnerable space, they are suddenly met with empathy. And that's been my experience. Have, have you experienced something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I've experienced the same thing. And for me, I think whenever I see somebody who is, um, being vulnerable, I, I feel like it gives me permission to do the same. You know what I mean? And in their vulnerability, I get, I get that they're, healing or processing or growing whatever whatever word you want to put in there but they're going through that that process of being okay with whatever it is they're sharing and by them doing it it, it then i feel like it gives me the, the opportunity to do that within myself so i'll share something with you that uh what, what came up for me uh, when when my daughter was very very young like um a couple of weeks old we took her to the, to the doctor for, you know, her normal appointment, you know, her like one week old appointment, two week old appointment. And, um, this is a story that my wife likes to tell, but whenever she tells it, I feel super embarrassed. Um, I feel, I, I shake my head like, how could you do that? That was such a dumb thing to do, right? So we're in the elevator and we're coming back from this doctor's appointment and um, I'm holding my baby and, and, uh, I'm holding Maya. And I don't really know how I was holding her because a gentleman in the elevator was like, hey, you're holding that baby all wrong. Hmm. And his statement totally caught me off guard. And I, and I looked at him and he had been in the hospital for something as well. He had like a bandage on his arm or something like that. And he, he, admitting this, I'm like, God, people are going to judge me. <laughs> I said, oh, well, why don't you show me? And I handed him the, my baby <laughs> so that he could show me how to hold her. And Sarah is is looking at me because this was this was, must have been within the first week of Maya being born um, because Sarah had some stitches and so she was like doubled over in in, in pain because she was still feeling very raw from having just given birth so she didn't have like the strength the 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 mental faculties to say what are you doing mm -hmm. don't hand don't hand this stranger with bloody bandages on his arms like our baby. But I did that. I handed him the baby and he showed me how to hold her and then he handed her back and I was like, oh, great. And uh, that story makes me feel so embarrassed and makes me feel like ashamed that I would do that, that I would like hmm. trust this, you know, this person and just hand my baby over. And I think the way that the story is told, you know, when Sarah tells it, it's it's to get a reaction or a laugh or some sort of like reaction of astonishment from the person that she tells it to. So <laughs> when you were sharing about, you know, the vulnerabilities and all that, 
I was like, man, I wonder if anybody else has done something like that with a newborn kid that when they think <laughs> back to it, they're like, I can't believe I did that. That was, the, you know, that was not a very smart move because I am still working on processing that <laughs> and healing that experience for myself. That's your first baby, isn't it? First baby. Yep. So I think that's what happens to first time parents is that they do something that they are embarrassed about there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it, but I haven't heard any other stories, right? Like I haven't heard someone else say that they did something, you know, stupid with their kids. So right now I'm like, I'm like looking around like, all right, where are the people who are going to come out of the, uh, come out of the, uh, you know, the, the corners to share their embarrassing first time kid stories. You know, i my girlfriend tells me all the stories about her raising her son and, um, how neglectful she was and how bad she feels. She goes, um, my son would just sit there going, mom. And she'd be like, one minute, mom, one minute, mom, 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 mom. And he would keep saying it. And he's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> and, and she would finally go, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. And then uh, finally she would get up from her computer or whatever she was doing and feed him. And then, um, you know, just recently we'd be talking about this kind of stuff and she'd go, I think about those times and I feel so bad. I just sat there letting them yeah. starve. And I'm like, well, he seems like to be, to be an okay kid. I mean, you, you must have did something right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not the only one. No, I, no. I mean, you do those stories on um that that podcast you do. What is it called? The the homebrew do, story. Podcast. Doing it at home. You have stories like that. Doing it at home. Yeah. We haven't talked. We haven't said story. Actually, yeah. There's definitely been uh, parents have shared some embarrassing moments for sure. Yeah. yeah well, that's a that's a great story. Thanks for that vulnerability. Matthew, I'm going to go ahead and read this email. Cool. Um, this is from, like I said, someone that wrote, we're gonna, we called him Bill. He wrote in before and we addressed his challenge. And this is his response after we had that show. Bill writes, I just got around to listening to the episode. And wow, I can't thank you and Matthew enough for finally providing the feedback and advice that that quote Bill guy was so desperately looking for. It's been a while since I sent the original email. And I'm very happy to report that my girlfriend and I are still together and in a much better place now after overcoming many of the issues, mainly my insecurities I was experiencing at the time. I won't dive into too much detail, but I came into the realization that a lot of my issues were a result of me experiencing experiencing some kind of retroactive jealousy. Never heard that term. For the, fir for the very first time in being unfamiliar and unable to properly navigate those feelings. The feelings of jealousy led to actions in which I thought were justified and protecting us, when in reality, they had the exact opposite effect on the relationship. I failed at creating a safe enough space for her to feel comfortable with being completely open and honest with me, which led to more secrets, more problems, and inevitably more feelings of jealousy. Pretty much everything you touched on on your show. Man, you guys are good. <laughs> it's, extre <laughs> it's extremely difficult to write the ship once this kind of dynamic is established in a relationship, but it can be done if these realizations are made. Uh, that's why I think it's important that these issues and situations continue to be discussed in an open and honest manner. Exactly what we were just talking about. And I want to thank you for doing just that. You're consistently changing lives. And then he, he wrote, you're a true hero and inspiration. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. And I'm sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure Matthew feels the same. We are honored that you, uh, wrote this and we're happy to hear that things are going better. Um, we must have talked about jealousy in that episode, uh, Matthew, but there's a couple things that, um, I also highlighted that I just want to kind of mention that again, we've already sort of addressed, uh, in a way he said, I failed at creating a safe enough space for her to feel comfortable with being completely open and honest with me. And I think, you know, I, I addressed that on my show a lot where, you are with someone you love or at least like, and you want them to tell you the truth. You want them to be able to trust you to share things with. And I think that establishes a great relationship. If, if you have someone in your life that trusts you to share things with you, then that relationship, it has more longevity potential. However, if you are reactive and somebody shares something with you and you go, what, how dare you think that? Or what you're, you find someone else attractive. What? I mean, there could be some really powerful reactions depending on what the person's saying to you. 
And I like how he wrote this because it, it means he realizes that he wasn't providing the safe environment. I like to call it the safe zone. If you are with someone you love, especially a romantic partner, and your partner uh, it becomes vulnerable and shares something with you that they believe will cause a reaction in you, and it does cause a reaction in you, and it's very negative, and you put them down and you make them feel bad about themselves, uh, they're less likely to share with you again. Or at least they'll, they'll get less likely to share with you again, which can create a lying situation, a lying environment. Because, you, and this is what happens. You set yourself up to be lied to by your reactions to other people. And I've noticed this in my own life. If, if I don't, if I become too reactive about something, then the person I'm with is less likely to share things with me. So, I really like this point that Bill made is that when we set up this safe environment for our partner, then, and you know, we have our own emotional triggers. We're going to be triggered. But when we are able to set up this safe place, our safe zone for our partner, then they are more able to express themselves freely without fear. I mean, there still might be fear, but at least they know that you can have a conversation about it instead of being put down about it. Have you learned that um, throughout your life, Matthew, that have you felt safe enough to share? Have people felt safe enough to share with you? Sometimes people have felt safe enough and other times they haven't. And um, I've noticed that over the years, particularly when it came to family relationships where you would be some somebody would share something with me and I never heard it before. And I recognize, wow, okay, I guess that they didn't feel like they could actually share with me. And, um, you know, I definitely appreciate Bill's email. And I think that there's some, some great things to be kind of pulled from it. For me, when I think about the idea of responding, like reacting, you know, like re when somebody gives you some news or shares something with you and the reaction on it, like it's happened with me and my wife, you know, she shared different things, which for me, they can't, they kind of felt like they came out of left field and I was sort of caught like deer in the headlights, you know, and sometimes I would react and the react, the reaction would just be my emotions. Sometimes I was able to pause and respond accordingly. One of the things that I shared with her is, Hey, listen, let's have these conversations. I want to have these conversations, but maybe let's, let's talk about a time and place to have them. And that's something that, you know, that you listening can take away because if you're like me and, and you think to yourself, well, man, my partner blindsided me with this news, you know, maybe I wouldn't have reacted so strongly if, if the news wouldn't just dropped in my lap, because um, that's how I felt. And, and my response to that is, you know, create, be proactive in creating an environment and creating a, a space where you can say, okay, now is the time to share this stuff. And you can put yourself in that, that space of, you know, dropping down some of the defensiveness and, and opening yourself up to just hear them. And that has helped me tremendously, you know? So it might look like, Hey babe, what you just shared, like, I feel the, I feel some stuff coming up. I don't really want to get into it right now. Can we, can we talk about this at, you know, later? Can we talk about this at XYZ time? And then you actually have to follow up and, you know, between when I ask for, for some, some time and when that time arrives, I'm doing things to get myself in a powerful place to be able to have a conversation and to be able to respond maturely. And so, you know, it might look like me just uh, collecting my thoughts, thinking about why did that trigger me or why does this conversation make me feel nervous? Whatever it is that I need to do to then go in and say, cool, babe, I know you had something you want to share. So let's talk about it now. And then we're able to have a conversation, you know, and, and I use that word very intentionally a conversation, right? Where she <laughs> says something and I listen and I process and I respond as opposed to, you know, what it, she shares and I get defensive and then she reacts and she gets defensive because in my opinion, in my experience, that stuff just breaks down. And then we, you know, we have to do more work just to get back to that place where we can even have the conversation. So that's what comes up for me, uh, Paul, when, as you're talking about, um, Bill's, Bill's response. 
That takes a, a tremendous amount of presence, though, doesn't it? To be able to, to stop and go, whoa, I have some things coming up. Let's talk about this later. <laughs> I mean, how, yeah. how do you get into that space of, I've, I've, I'm, I'm becoming emotionally triggered. This is how I look at it. I'm getting emotionally triggered right now. Um, this is this some stuff that I need to process. I mean, for most people, including myself, I'll be in this space of, oh, crap, I'm getting emotionally triggered. I'm usually going to talk about it right then and there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if I'm the type of person that's going to say, okay, I got some stuff coming up. Um, We need to talk about this. Let's set a a time to do that. Uh, Is this something that you, you practice? Is this like a relationship contract? You're like, okay, when stuff comes up, (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that formal, and okay. it doesn't have to be that uh, business-like. Like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way. So, how about at 6:30 p.m. at this time? We're gonna. It doesn't necessarily need to be like that. But for me, I know that when I am triggered, especially before I started to become aware of of myself and started to do some of this work, when I'm triggered, I'm not in my my. I'm not at my best. Like, I'm not my most understanding. I'm not my most patient. Mm. And I, those triggers, that, that, that feeling, that anxiety that comes up, the heat that comes up, you know, it, it, a lot of times it would automatically bring my defensiveness up as well. Interesting. Bring up my weapons. And I just recognize that for me, I was not able to have effective conversations in that frame of mind. So there absolutely was a level of awareness to, to, to realize, looking back on previous conversations, which were fights, looking back on previous arguments and fights, like, man, what was that? Like, wow, I was triggered the whole time. Um, I used to journal a lot about those things. And I used to go back and read those journals months or years later. And that helped me gain a little bit of awareness around it to see like, wow, I was I absolutely was, uh, I was reactive. I took things personally. I was very defensive. Um, I was hurtful towards this person and being able to see that in hindsight made me think, okay, well, what can I do to not be in that space the next time the topic comes around? And there was, and there has been work that my wife and I have done on communicating what we need and what we feel in the moment. And, uh, that doesn't necessarily have to be on heavy topics that can be like, Hey babe, I'm feeling tired. Can you grab the kid? Like I'm sharing with her, I'm feeling this certain way. Can you help me out? And those little things help. So when she's, she says something, it's like, Hey, babe, I'm not in that, 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 that powerful space right now. Let me, you know, give me 30 minutes and we can come back to it. And that's sort of how it has evolved in our relationship, um, to where, you know, I can recognize if I'm in, if I'm in my power or not, and I'm comfortable asking for what I need to get into that powerful space because I don't shy away from confronting conversations. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid of them. You know, a lot of the times I do want to have them in that moment, but I will make sure that I am in my, my zone beforehand because yeah. for me, that creates the best outcome. Well, from what you just said, from what I am extrapolating here is that you have awareness of what happened last time. You actually put yourself into an awareness of, okay, how did I respond? How did it progress? How did it get worse? At least this is, if I was putting myself in your shoes, oh man, how, you know, why did I get so triggered? I got to talk about, I got to think about this. I got to process this and figure it out. So I I love the idea of the post-processing that can go on after an emotionally traumatic or intense moment with someone where you can look back and go, geez, you know, I, I reacted really quick. I called this person a name or I put them down really quick. And, you know, next time, and this is something I, I teach on my show as well, is that you, you start to, you start to be aware of the pattern that you're in that causes the same situation to occur over and over again. Yep. The, the arguments always start when I get angry because of something she said or he said or whatever. And so I look at that and go, okay, if they always start that way, because we have to be, we really have to step outside of our emotional triggers and look at something objectively so that we can go, um, how can I do this differently next time? How, how can I respond more productively next time? 
So I love the fact that you shared that. And um, it tells me that it really has to do with being aware of what you do on a regular basis. So you understand your own patterns. And I, I am, I am constantly looking to understand my own patterns better. That's, I won't say that I, I have like, yep, I know my patterns. I know myself, but for me, gaining that, that awareness, increasing my awareness, increasing my understanding of myself, how I process things, what triggers me, it allows me to just gain a little bit more self mastery. And that's something that I'm playing for. And in my relationships, I'm, I'm, I'm playing for just the, that, that relationship to constantly be, um, going to deeper, more intimate levels, being more honest, more open. And so it's kind of like, um, again, this isn't, I don't have like a regimen around this, but when you think of an athlete, like I'm, I'm big into basketball. When I think of the NBA players after a game, what do they do? They go and they watch film of that game to see where they can improve in, in different things. Hmm. So sometimes I don't do this all the time, but sometimes after I've had an argument with my wife after we've had some of these confronting conversations, I will go and journal. And that gives me an opportunity to essentially like watch the game film. <laughs> you know, I can go back and say, wow, okay, this is how I felt. This is what went down. You know, this is what she was saying. Like, cause for me, you know, I don't have the best of memories, right? Like some, I just don't remember something sometimes, particularly when I'm in a heated conversation, particularly when my emotions are, are spiked. It's hard for me to put myself back and remember what they said, remember what I, you know, agreed to do. Um, that bit me in the butt so many times in previous relationships where we would have the same type of argument again and again. And she would say, we've gone over this stuff. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it, it was like hearing it for the first time. So that, you know, influenced me to write things down. And in writing things down, I recognized that, wow, I can I can learn so that the next time we get into a conversation, the next time we get into a fight, you know, I have a little bit more insight based on what had happened in the past. I think 60% of the audience just related to that. <laughs> <laughs> the part about forgetting. Um, I love yeah. the analogy about the game. You know, you watch the game tape and figure out what you did last. And yeah. uh, it's funny because we have an Amazon Echo and you can say, Alexa, do this, Alexa, do that. And I always wanted, and I know this is like so, so against what everyone wants, but I want my record everything. Yes. <laughs> I want to replay what she just said. Exactly. I want to say, uh, I, I won't say the, the, the keyword because everyone's Amazon echoes will go crazy if I say it, but I'll say the echo's name and I'll say, could you please replay the last 15 minutes? And it's just like on, on Star Trek, they could say, you know, replay the conversation we had on Tuesday. And then the computer records everything, so it's going to replay it. I think that's how it works. And uh, I would love those opportunities because not only because I feel like, hey, I'm right. I want to prove, prove to you that I'm right about that conversation. But I'm also willing to be open to being wrong about that conversation, too, so I can learn from it. So oh, let's yeah. let's replay that and, and figure out where it went wrong. Oh, right there. You started yelling at me. Oh, right there. I said, oh, my God, you're right. You, you I did say that, and I, I thought I didn't. Because I've had conversations with my girlfriend that says uh, that I know that I didn't say something and I'm so fired up and want to continue going down a path that I never stop in the moment and observe what I just said 30 seconds ago because I want to keep going forward. I want yeah, to get that. I want to keep being right. And what I've noticed is that my memory and maybe this is the male memory will have a tendency to mow down what's just been said so they can keep going forward. It's like there's a little for yeah. forgetfulness fairy that wipes up <laughs> the memories as you go forward. So stopping yourself in the moment when somebody says, no, you just said that. And if you actually stop and go, okay, let me, let me process or let me figure this out. Did I just say that you might be able to catch yourself before you forget and go, oh, you're right. Or no, I remember what I said. I, I think you're right. I think there's a chemical process that takes place. We're in fight or flight mode and we're going forward and we're our adrenaline's pumping sometimes and we just want to move forward into a safer place. And when we do that, it's our brain's not sit, sitting there taking notes. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Well. I know that's how it feels for me. And uh, it, it's, uh, it happens, I don't know if it's frequently, but it happens sometimes where 
I'm in a conversation with my wife and we just go down like a, a, a tangent path and we're, we're still going at it, but we're, we're, we've deviated from the original thing that started the whole conversation. And we get to a point where like, wait a minute, what, what are we talking about again? What was the whole point of this? And that's where I think it would be nice to be able to rewind mm. and go back to the beginning because <laughs> for me and my, and my memory, man, like I just, I don't know. I've, I've always felt that way. Like I, when I'm, when I'm just in it, it just doesn't register in my long-term memory. You know, it does, it doesn't get past the, you know, like 30 seconds. Like it's like goldfish memory when I'm in a, when I'm in a fight <laughs> and, uh, I just, I can't, it's hard to remember before. So luckily over the years, I've worked on in, in increasing just being honest and telling the truth and being totally authentic with how I feel and expression because this, this, this stuck with me. I heard it a long time ago. I think my dad used to say, you know, when you're honest, you never have to remember what it is that you've said. Mm -hmm. You don't have to remember your lie when you're being honest. So, you know, that, that stuck with me. So when I'm in these conversations, I'm just trying to be as honest as I can, you know, obviously being considerate and, and, and knowing when, when I should be a little bit more courageous, a little bit more bold. But, um, so that's helped me deal with the fact that I don't always remember all the specifics <laughs> and, uh, I think it goes to show that even though you and I have studied personal growth and communication and human behavior, that we can still come to a level where you think, oh, they must get along with their significant others perfectly because they've studied all this stuff. No, what happens is that we're so unique in our individual uh, beliefs and values and perceptions that we're going to come up with disagreements. That I, I believe, however, is that as you study yourself as you interrupt your own patterns as you learn about yourself look in the rearview mirror sometimes and figure out okay what did i do what can i do differently that you improve how you communicate mm -hmm. you improve how you converse or what i've heard people say conversate which i don't think is a word <laughs> <laughs> i heard that on tv i was like conversate is that a word and then um uh, then your arguments or disagreements are you know, they can be just as intense as anybody's argument, but there's usually a more productive way to approach it because you're more aware of yourself. You're more aware of your own psyche, of your of your own emotion, emotional state. And I, I just believe that you can have more productive conversations and uh, just a, a, a happier way of life, knowing that you could get into an argument at any time, but it's not like another nail on the coffin it is yeah yeah th this argument is going to be productive so we can get past it and get past yeah. the issues yeah no for me i'm not uh, i'm not playing for a marriage where we'd never argue you know mm -hmm. because we're different people and, and we see things differently and we experience things differently um you know i, I i'm just in, I'm, I'm constantly pushing for that increased openness um first and foremost with myself with how I'm feeling, understanding why I'm feeling it, um, knowing when is the time to share how I'm feeling or, or how I'm experiencing the other person, um, and knowing when it's time to be a little bit more uh, considerate, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more understanding, and just really yeah, just gaining a little bit more mastery over that dance. Mm. Uh, there's absolutely a time to um, to, to press your point and to make your point and, and all of that. Um, but then there's a time to just listen and to create a space for the other person to share and for, for them to feel understood. You know, a lot of times I know for me, it was almost like, what's, um, like a fencing match. You know, like whenever I've watched fencing matches, it's like one person goes in and then they retreat. The other person comes at them. And then that, you know, person A goes back in again and it's just this back and forth. And that's kind of how I, I felt, uh, arguments went. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until recognizing that, you know what? This conversation that we're having, it may not necessarily be about me getting my point across. It, I don't necessarily need to feel understood. I don't need you to get me in this moment. It's more important for me to just listen and to hear where you're coming from. Um, because that can be a bigger deposit into, you know, your tank for you to feel understood, for you to feel listened to. And that might get us past whatever this blockage is right now um, and, and can create, you know, something powerful for us to keep moving the relationship forward on. And so that's, you know, that there's um, 
for me, there's definitely awareness in being able to know when is when when is the time to go in, when is the time to to fall back a little bit, and um, that's just a, a fun game as well. well. The game in the game. I'm glad you brought that up because I think what happens in arguments is that there's if there's any sense of low self worth, low self esteem, any type of insecurity, while I mean that you have, and then you get into an argument that you want to find a way to fill, to fill those insecurities in you because, and, and what you'll do is continue fighting for that increase in your self-worth, self-esteem. And if your focus is on fighting for that increase in your self-worth and self-esteem and any other insecurities that are going on, you'll always want to win. And your and if you focus on the winning during the argument, instead of the bigger picture, like I look at this, I'm, I feel very secure in myself. And when we get into an argument and I can see she's getting more and more upset, I, I, I have to take a step back inside myself and go, wow, I don't want her to be upset. This isn't my goal. And if, if it really takes her being so upset that she feels defeated just so that I could win, just so that I could fill some small insecurity in myself that I believe I need to feel better about myself because if I'm, you know, if I'm wrong, then I don't feel good about myself. But if I'm right, I'll feel great. Some sort of ego boost or whatever. Is it worth me doing that in the bigger picture of this relationship? So what you just said just reflects that. And I like to look at it as when I take that step back, and this is an odd thing I say to myself, but I'll do it sometimes. I'll go, am I really that important? Is what I have to say really that important? In the grand scope of everything that is, is what I'm about to say is the damaging words that I'm going to throw at her so important just so I can feel righteous in myself and then, of course, feel alone after I win. Because that's where it leads, right? Yeah. You you win and now he or she is off to the side and trying to process and trying to figure things out. And now I'm right and alone. So I look yeah. at I look at this and the grand scheme of things, I'm not that important. In the grand scheme of things, what I have to say isn't really that significant because the big picture for me is I'm with this person every day. I'm with this person for the rest of my life. I've committed to this person. So what do I want for the big picture of the relationship? What does that look like for me? Does it look like this, what we're experiencing now? And then I have this other thought that, I, some people might find morbid is, is what if she died tomorrow? Is this how I want today to end? You know, it's like, you know, you've heard that concept. If this was your last day, what would you do? How would you treat people? I like to look at it like that sometimes. And that really helps me connect with my insignificance. And that's like the opposite training that we're, (laughs) we're told, Mm -hmm. but I like connecting with that. If I'm, if, if what I have to say is not that important, then I am I am comfortable enough in my self-esteem and self-worth and secure enough in myself to be wrong. And I, I really love that I can go there. And, and even when my girlfriend and I are, are having an argument, it doesn't happen at all, hardly ever, but it does happen. So when, yeah. when we're having an argument and she says something, um, I, I process it in the moment. Is that true? Wow. Is what she's saying true? And I could still be in that emotional state and the heightened intensity of what's going on. But I will ask myself, is that true what she's saying? And if she makes a point, because we never want to admit when we're wrong when we're arguing, but if she makes a point, I'll stop and go, well, you're right about that. And that's so hard to do because yeah, it is. I want to inflate myself, not deflate myself. So I, I'm like, well, you're right about that. And then I'll stop. And maybe she'll continue, but usually what happens, and this is the greatest part of arguing, I guess, is that when, um, when that happens, when one of you finally steps down, I mean, this is a healthy argument, not an emotionally abusive argument, not someone trying to dominate. This is a healthy argument between two healthy people, at least mentally healthy enough to communicate normally most of the time. Uh, when one person steps back and says, wow, I think you're right about that. I think I did come across as too harsh or whatever the thing is. Um, the other person usually backs off 
They, they, yeah. they don't continue. See, I told you. And then they, they pound you. They, usually the healthy people don't do that. Uh, but they'll back off too and realize, oh, good, you finally get it. You, you finally hear me. You finally understand me. And, yeah, you said the word right there. Feel understood. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you back off a little bit and then you have to, what do they call it? Eat crow. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. you're right. <laughs> you're right about that. I, I didn't think about it that way. Okay. I, I'm, I'll step back. And that, I tell you what, that shows your partner or whoever you're arguing with, uh, just who you are, what your character is. Because if, if you get into an argument with someone and they just want to win, 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 and, and neither one of you ever back off, then you feel like you can never get anywhere with them. But if you mm -hmm. know, and this is, I think, vital, when you know someone's going to back off when they hear truth, wow, that is true. And I'm processing it and I'm realizing it and I'll back off. You can trust them more. Like he will back off when I say the right thing or she will back off. Maybe not back off is probably not the right term, but there will be a, a, a moment of realization that I need to process this. I need to figure this out. You're, you're right about that. Or I just need some, I need some healing there. Yeah. I think, yeah. That, I think that's huge. So, uh, thank you for sharing your process too. I think, um, that's probably what we'll leave with this show today because that was uh, uh, a really good – I mean, we, we stemmed it from that letter that we got. And mm -hmm. the he went – he came from listening to us talk about his issues and really decided to open up with his girl – I think his girlfriend – and um, his jealousy issues and whatever was going on for them. And it sounds like she – gave him the safe place to express himself and uh he came to realizations in himself that what he was feeling was inside him instead of saying you're wrong for your past because of this you did because of that what you did uh he decided that i'm going to take responsibility for how i feel about their behavior i think that's huge that's enormous when when you can own something and and when you look in, inside, you know, when there's a conflict going on in a relationship or something's not working, it's so easy to just want to look for the external factors. Well, it's because they don't do this. It's because they have this going on. It's because, you know, the sun doesn't shine in our house. <laughs> but for you, for, for this person, for Bill and, and for you listening to be able to go inward and say, okay, where is my responsibility? You know, how is the person that I have been, how has that been impacting the relationship? And then, okay, who do I need to become to create the relationship that I truly want to to have? And um, that to me is an extraordinarily powerful way um, to look at it. And it gives you back your power. You know, it gives you back the power because, and not, not the power in the relationship, it gives you back your personal power when you look internal to see how you can influence something as opposed to when you are fixated on how things externally must change in order for you to feel, you know, whatever type of way you want to feel. That's great advice for control freaks as well. People that want to control everything, want to control yeah. everything. If you want to control everything, control your state, control your yeah. processes and internally because you'll never, and I think I wrote this or talked about it somewhere, you'll never be able to control anyone or anything outside of you. No. I mean, nope. yes, there are moments where you can, but for the most part, you cannot. And yeah, if, it's not sustainable. Exactly. And I believe you become the master of your life when you realize that you can't control anyone or anything. And I love, I love that idea. If you, if you fully accept that you cannot control anyone else and you can't control anything outside of you, you become the master of your life. You, you just, you just know that it's impossible to do that. So where does your focus, where does your control end up going? You know, you can only control yourself. You know, you can only, uh, and sometimes that's hard to do, but yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. But that's where the focus needs to be. In my opinion, I believe that all your focus needs to be how to, how do I improve myself so I can bring the best version of me into every situation, into every relationship and mm -hmm. into everything I ever do in my life. How do I, how do I improve me? I work on myself. I, like Matthew said, I uh, have an awareness and observation of what, uh, you've done in the past and what you could do differently, what you could do better. I heard one speaker say that it's all about experimenting. I'm going to, I'm going to experiment this time. I'm going to, 
find out what happens when I react this way instead of the way I would normally mm. react. Yeah, that's cool. If somebody comes up to me and calls me a jerk, I would normally want to call them a jerk back. But what would happen if I said, hey, I understand how you feel. I, I mean, I understand that you feel that way. And if I saw me, I'd probably feel that way, too. <laughs> it, it would break the ice. It'd be like, wow, if I just respond differently, the world changes. And that control comes from uh, focusing on myself. And again, like Matthew said, owning what, uh, owning your emotions, owning your responsibility in the sense of, um, what did you say? You said, I'm going to own my role. You know, you own your role. Yeah. You own your role in the argument, the relationship, uh, anywhere you go. So I, I love that. And that's all we really have time for, Matthew. I know you have to go. And um, I want to tell people that they can find your podcast, Having It All with Matthew Bivens, and uh, doing it at home with you and your wife, home birthing. And um, I want to thank you, as always, Matthew, for coming here and enlightening me. I always get something from what you say. I love your perspective. I think the people listening love it as well. Get a lot of feedback from these uh, co-hosting shows that we do. And um, I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you so much, Paul, for having me, for just inviting me on the show to have another one of these amazing conversations. And Bill, to you, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, listening to to the conversation Paul and I had um, about your scenario and then emailing back, you know, reaching back out, updating us. That's amazing. Um, so many people uh, can relate to your experience and, and uh, have been touched by the conversation, I believe, that Paul and I just had today because of you know, your sharing. So, Bill, thank you. Paul, thank you. I'm super grateful. Thank you so much. Yes, Bill, thank you as well uh, for inspiring the topic of today's episode, which kind of unfolded organically. I think Matthew and I had something else planned, but <laughs> this is the way it works. If it's if it's important, yeah. if it's topical, if we can, if it really is helpful to anyone listening, then we're going to talk about it. And it's, I think uh, Matthew can agree that it's also helpful to us to kind of flesh this out in our mind. And what do we do? Where? How do we respond in this situation? Uh, how do we react? And how do we get through challenges and things like that? So once again, thanks, Matt. I appreciate yep, thank you. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Matthew Bivens with the Having It All podcast for joining me and talking about this very important subject matter. I think is one of the keys to a more fulfilling life uh, is to actually start removing these negative obstacles inside your body, for lack of a way to, better way of putting it. Uh, anything that you're holding on to that you don't want to talk about, that you don't want to admit to someone that you're afraid that someone's going to judge you for. I love having these things out of my system. I'm not saying everything's out of there. I'm not like a clean <laughs> vessel, although, you know, you can look at this religiously or spiritually and say you're a clean vessel, or you might look at me and say you're full of sin. <laughs> but I love the idea of just working on myself constantly. You know, what else comes up? What emotional triggers are in there? What else do I need to work on? Instead of, you know, repressing them back, denying them, just have them come up. And then I can say to myself, whoa, there's a, an emotional trigger that just came up. I need to work on that. Why am I triggered? I'm going to drill down into it. What is causing that trigger? How is that a problem? You know, what is causing that trigger? Oh, I'm thinking about this person. Well, how is that person a problem? Well, they did this to me when I was younger. Okay, how is what they did to you a problem? You know, I like to drill into these things and really tear them apart and figure out why it affects me so much. I think a lot of people get into that generic space of, oh, that person hurt me at one time or that person did this to me. I'm still angry about it. I'm still upset about it. Therefore, um, there's nothing I can do about it because it's over. So I'm just going to hold on to the anger, hold on to the upset until I die. You know, I don't want anybody to do that, but I know people do it and they hang on to stuff that they don't need to hang on to. You don't need to hang on to this stuff, even though it's affecting you, even though uh, some people have PTSD because of things that have happened in their past. I know it's not easy to let go. This episode discusses one of the first steps 
of healing and processing and letting go. Yes, you might need therapy. Yes, you might need coaching. Yes, you might need a lot of self-help books and a lot of good friends and a lot of good family. And when you find these resources and apply them to your life, your life can get a lot better. It just depends on where you are on the personal development path and um, how far you're willing to go. Because sometimes you have to take a scary, big, scary step in order to get to the next level of yourself. The next emotional evolutionary step to get into a better space inside you. Because I tell you what, when you get rid of one negative emotional component of something you're holding on to, you feel a bit lighter. You feel a tad bit happier or more. You feel uh, more energy. You feel more vibrant. You have more passion and meaning and purpose in your life as you go forward and keep working on this stuff. If you hold back and you never let it out, then a lot of the things I just said with meaning and purpose and passion have a harder time showing themselves. So you may have some hard steps ahead of, ahead of you, but they're not impossible. They're not. And if you're having any trouble, just remember to keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. And this will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <music>